Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. Take your seats so we can get started. Thank you. Well, I'd like to welcome everyone to today's session of SACPAW, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. I'm Christina Cuthbertson, and I'll be your moderator for today. I'll take this opportunity to remind everyone to please turn off your cell phones, and also that today's uh, session will be recorded. Um, This and other sessions are available uh, to listen to on the SACPAW website, so we invite you to um, participate in the conversation even after today's event is done. Um, SACPAW is a nonprofit voluntary organization. We rely on the support of our members and event attendees like yourselves. Um, and I'd also like to thank SACPAW's partners, the U of L, for the distribution of our notices, Country Kitchen Catering, who will be providing our meal for today, um, our media partners, Shaw TV, and the Lethbridge Herald uh, for covering our events. Lunch today is $11, and there's a basket at the center of all of your tables. And if you could please have someone count it prior to SACPAW collecting it at 1230, that would be hugely appreciated. Our format today will follow our regular format, 25 to 30 minutes for our speaker, Brian Mason, and 30 minutes for our lunch period, and 30 more minutes for question and answer following our lunch. I'll now introduce our speaker for today, Mr. Brian Mason, leader of the Alberta's New Democrats, Um, and he'll be speaking on Alberta facing a financial deficit in our next budget. So uh, Brian Mason was first elected as a member of the Legislative Assembly for Edmonton Northlands Norwood in a 2000 by-election. He was re-elected in a provincial general election in 2001 and was subsequently appointed House Leader of the New Democrats Caucus and critic responsible for human resources, finance, and agriculture. In September 2004, Mr. Mason became leader of the New Democrats and was elected to his third term as member of the Legislative Assembly. Uh, for Edmonton Highlands Norwood in 2004, his fourth term in 2008, and his fifth term in 2012. Mr. Mason was appointed to the Special Standing Committee on Member Services on May 28, 2012. Before his election to the Alberta Legislature, Mr. Mason served as City of Edmonton Councillor in Ward 3. He was first elected in 1989 and won three subsequent civic elections. As a member of city council for 11 years, Mr. Mason gained a reputation as a strong, effective voice for his constituents. During this time, he chaired the nonprofit housing board, served on the taxi commission, library board, and Northland board. So a very accomplished uh, speaker for us today. Please join me in welcoming uh, Mr. Brian Mason. Thank you very much, and it's wonderful to be back in Lethbridge and to address uh, Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs once again. I always enjoy uh, uh, coming here, 
and I uh, look forward to seeing many of you uh, again. Um, I'd like to start by introducing two of my colleagues. David Egan is the MLA from uh, Edmonton Calder. And uh, MLA Darren Billis, who's the uh, MLA for uh, Edmonton Beverly Clairview. And uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, acknowledge um, Bev Mundell Atherson, who was our candidate in uh, Little Bow in the last election. So I want to talk today a little bit about the financial situation that the province finds itself in. Um, and the upcoming budget. And it's part of a tour that our caucus is conducting uh, throughout the province. Uh, we are uh, visiting seven cities uh, to conduct public hearings to listen to Albertans about their concerns about the upcoming provincial budget. And we're doing that, first of all, uh, to raise some awareness of some of the reasons why we're in this uh, uh, mess, and I'm going to talk uh, more about that in just a minute, but also to hear from different organizations and groups about their concerns of the, about the budget, their aspirations, the things that they want to see uh, as we uh, go into this budget, and, and also about some of their fears, because um, despite raising Albertans' um, expectations sky high in the last election, Alison Redford and the PC government have been sending a very different message in the last month or two um, and suggesting that, in fact, the uh, budget is going to be very grim indeed. So we want to know from, from uh, teachers and students, uh, from parents, um, from patients and doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals, people that work in the social services sector, people in arts and culture, people in the environmental movement, and just ordinary people of this province, what it is that they want us to be talking about when we get up and debate that budget. Now, the legislature is going back into session on the 5th of uh, March, and two days later, without a throne speech, they're going to be introducing the budget. Uh, and that has been the subject of much discussion lately, uh, including the Premier's address to Albertans on television, um, where she blamed it all on the bitumen bubble, uh, followed by uh, an economic summit in Calgary, which we uh, attended and we appreciate being invited. Um, but uh, it was clear that the panels at the economic summit um, were handpicked in order to provide two key solutions um, that I think are indicative of the path ahead for the Conservative government. The first one is more pipelines, and the second one is a sales tax. And those were the messages that we received uh, pretty loud and clear. Uh, and uh, I want to say, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this, why I don't think that those are, uh, are the answer uh, to the situation that we find ourselves in. So we've been to... Um, uh, we started in Fort McMurray. We had a hearing in Red Deer um, two days ago in Medicine Hat, yesterday here in Lethbridge. This evening we'll be having a public hearing in uh, uh, Calgary. And then next week we will conclude the tour with a uh, stop in Grand Prairie and then finally in Edmonton. By and large, people are telling us that um, there are lots of needs and requirements and that the programs that exist now uh, cannot be substantially reduced without seriously impacting people and hurting people. The other thing that I think is quite interesting is that while they're sort of suggesting or giving the impression that we're in some kind of economic difficulty, that's not really the case. 
Alberta is not in a recession. Alberta is continuing to grow. In fact, thousands of people are coming to this province every month. And so there is a need to expand the services to provide for them. When people come here, they need schools. They need health care. Uh, and um, they don't bring those things with them, as the government is sometimes fond of, of saying. So um, what we have is not an economic downturn requiring a recessionary budget, but a financial crisis that is independent of the state of the economy that is, in fact, a creation of the provincial government over a number of years. And I'd like to sort of start by talking about um, what that really um, is and where this situation came from. During the 1990s, when Ralph Klein was the premier, we had a very large um, uh, increase in the price of natural gas in particular. It was in short supply, uh, and the prices went very high. The result is there were very large revenues for the province during a period of about eight years um, uh, that, uh, the prob that was a windfall for the provincial government. And you remember those amazing surpluses that they would post year after year. At, at its peak, natural gas royalties alone were bringing in $8 billion a year to the provincial treasury in extra revenue. And what they did with that was not what I think they should have done with it. What they should have done with it was to invest it for future generations, to create the kind of savings plan that they have in Alaska or they have in Norway, because that, uh, those assets, those resources, are intergenerational in nature. They don't belong just to our generation. And for us to spend them on our program needs now so that we can have really low taxes is cheating future generations. So that was, that was the first thing, I think, fundamentally in principle, which was wrong with, with how the Klein government approached those surpluses. But the other thing that they did was they increased reliance on royalty revenue for program spending. And the amount of program spending now paid for by royalties is about 30% or about $12 billion a year. So in a period of high royalties, that's sustainable. But when prices of gas and oil drop and our royalty revenues drop, we don't have enough tax revenue to pay for the programs. And that's the point that I'd like to, to make. They did two things during that period. They, first of all, um, eliminated the progressive income tax and instituted a flat tax, a 10% rate across the board regardless of income. And they did raise personal exemptions, uh, but what it really amounted to was a very large tax cut for the wealthiest Albertans. The more money you, you make, the better it is for you to have a flat 10% rate. And it cost the province billions of dollars in revenue. Then a couple of years later, when Steve West was the provincial treasurer, he announced a program of cutting corporate income tax. And at that time, the corporate tax rate was 16% and still very competitive across the country. And Alberta corporations make, uh, by on average, higher profits than anywhere else in the country. Uh, they have steadily cut the corporate tax rate where it's now at 10%. So from 16 to 10 is a very dramatic drop, and it also costs the province billions of dollars of revenue. Well, then they started to find more gas. And then they, then they finally started to find 
more oil. And prices have dropped, and they will be dropped for a sustained period of time. So those royalty revenues are not going to bounce back, or at least it's not very likely that that's going to happen. So the Redford government has had many opportunities to deal with this. Um, just before he left office, Mr. Stelmack had a hand-picked economic panel, um, the Emerson uh, Commission, that produced an economic report that warned that Alberta was far too dependent on royalty revenue, which were, was very volatile, um, for its program expenditures and recommended that we, um, that we change that situation. It was ignored by the government. We've been warning about this for a long time. Economists have been warning about this for a long time. It's not rocket science, and quite frankly, a lot of people saw this coming. But the PC government didn't see it coming. Of course, the corporations and the wealthiest Albertans are the people who support the Progressive Conservative Party, financially in particular. And that, I think, is a part of the explanation for the refusal to change direction. Now, unfortunately, uh, Premier Redford has ruled out any changes to our tax system in this budget, which means that we're going to have a massive deficit and it means a number of other things. It means that there's going to be serious cuts. They're already uh, setting the stage uh, for a wage freeze, and I think that that's going to create considerable friction, uh, not just with doctors, but with teachers and nurses and with provincial employees, all of whom were, were promised a fair deal, increases um, in their, in their uh, uh, wages to keep up with inflation. Uh, so that's the first impact, but I think we're actually going to see layoffs as well, and the government is beginning to hint at this. Now, the, uh, the government has made many promises in the election, um, and um, I want to just uh, talk a little bit about what some of those are. Uh, in health care, they promised uh, 140 new family care clinics. Um, they promised, and the, the cost of that would be $3.4 billion. We actually costed their campaign promises. They did not. Um, and they had to know, because anyone who takes a look at the promises would realize that the promises were very, very expensive and they had no way to pay for them. Now that um, the price uh, or the royalty revenue from oil has dropped so much, um, it's uh, almost impossible. They promised to increase long-term care spaces by 1,000 per year until 2017. They promised to provide uh, insulin pumps at no cost to Albertans with type 1 diabetes. And what we're seeing is that they're actually reducing the number of long-term care beds. There were 30 transition beds um, uh, closed in Edmonton, and there are 1,400 Albertans waiting for care. They have already implemented cuts to home care. They've cut 89 nurses or forced them to retire within Alberta Health Services, uh, and they are threatening um, to restore health care premiums um, if the doctors uh, expect uh, the, the province to keep the, uh, the deal that they made. Um, that's just an example. In education, they promised full-day kindergarten. They promised 50 new schools and promised to refurbish 70 more older schools. 
The actual incomes, uh, outcomes are that there's no full-day kindergarten. School districts have deficits. They're reducing the number of new schools promised. Um, and they're restructuring advanced education, relying much more on private business to fund research, and they may eliminate the post-secondary education tu tuition cap and allow uh, universities and colleges to increase non-instructional fees. Um, they promised in human services to end child poverty within five years and to reduce overall poverty in ten years. Um, and um, the uh, promises went on and on. Uh, I think there's another um, point that I want to make with regard to this, and that is um, the so-called bitumen bubble that the pre Premier has blamed for this financial situation. We kind of prefer the term bitumen bungle uh, because I think it's a little more accurate um, description of, uh, of what has actually happened. The uh, Premier has, has pointed to a, a gap between the price of West Texas Intermediate, which is what we get for our, um, for our uh, synthetic crude oil once it's been upgraded from bitumen, uh, and the world price. And that's true. There is a gap, um, and that gap uh, has always been there, and it is somewhat wider than was predicted, and that much is true. What she's not pointing out is that there is a much bigger gap and widening much faster between the, the price of synthetic crude oil and the price of bitumen. And we have been talking to the government um, for years about the importance of upgrading the bitumen here before we export it. And this is very important because as new um, crude oil finds in North Dakota and southern Manitoba have come on stream, there's a much larger supply in the Midwest United States of sweet crude oil. Um, and so the demand for bitumen has dropped quite dramatically. The problem is that the province has put its, all its eggs in the bitumen basket. They have insisted on letting the oil companies write their own ticket. They've let the oil companies dictate the energy policy of this province. And up until now, that meant taking uh, bitumen through pipelines like the Keystone Pipeline or potentially the um, Northern Gateway Pipeline to uh, Kitimat, B.C., to export bitumen and allow the countries that were receiving or buying the bitumen to upgrade it there, and thereby creating much investment and much-needed much, uh, jobs uh, in those economies, and leaving us with lower revenues um, and, and not good long-term jobs, because these upgraders uh, are fairly labor-intensive, and they employ people at, for high wages uh, because it's quite a skilled work. When Keystone was approved by the National Energy Board of Canada, um, there were four major upgraders planned for northeast of Edmonton that would have created together over 10,000 permanent jobs and involved billions of dollars of investment in the Alberta economy. They were all shelved or cancelled because the oil companies found it more efficient or more profitable to export the bitumen down the Keystone pipeline to existing refineries on the Gulf Coast. The uh, Northern uh, Gateway Pipeline is very similar. Uh, of course, the Chinese uh, National Oil Company is, has bought uh, Nexen. Um, they, they will uh, uh, own the leases. 
They will own the pipeline. That will be a Chinese-owned pipeline. They'll own the port. They'll own the tankers. They will ship the bitumen to China, and they will own the upgraders and upgrade it there. All of that will be uh, owned by the China, effectively by the Chinese government to supply their country. So this direction is, is very um, harmful to the long-term interests of our province. And now they've been caught because all of the new proposals that have been approved, all of the new leases in the oil sands that have been approved in the last few years are, are not to be upgraded here. They are for um, the mining and export of unprocessed bitumen. And now we're exporting large volumes of a product that people don't want anymore, and that accounts for the lion's share of the loss in royalty revenue that the Premier is blaming for the financial position that our province is currently in. So we need to have a made-in-Alberta energy policy. We need to work with partners uh, across Canada um, to develop uh, an oil sand strategy that goes um, very much along the lines of the principles that were laid out by Peter Lougheed when he was the Premier. That is to say that we should add value here in Alberta or here in Canada. We should go slow. Uh, we should make sure that we get our fair share as the owner. We need to think like owners. Um, uh, this is our oil. This is our bitumen. This is our gas. does not belong to the oil companies. Uh, and we can't uh, afford to have a policy followed by the Stelmac and Redford governments of simply allowing the oil companies to make all of the economic decisions with respect to the development of those natural resources. So um, that, I, I think, summarizes our view of where uh, we've come from uh, and where the PC government is, is taking us. We're back to the days of Ralph Klein where we're faced with significant cuts in a growing, wealthy province. And it's not good enough. It's not acceptable that in a province like Alberta, when the price of oil drops, we're laying off nurses and teachers. We can do better than that, and I think we should do better than that. I want to talk a little bit, just in conclusion, um, about uh, our proposals uh, to deal with this. We brought forward uh, some modest proposals in the last election for increases to um, personal income taxes for people earning more than $250,000 a year and an increase to the corporate tax and, a, and an additional royalty on bitumen. The revenues as we projected them would have been an additional $3 billion a year and Alberta still would have been the most competitive tax jurisdiction in Canada. Had that been done, or if it were still to be done in this budget, which we're, which we're heading into shortly, we wouldn't have a deficit. And we would be able to maintain our programs. Now, I don't know how the Tories will keep all their campaign promises with that, but that's their problem. Um, uh, what we wanted to do was show that we could make modest improvements to our health care system and our education system, improve environmental monitoring, um, and do that and still remain uh, the lowest tax jurisdiction in Canada with a balanced budget. That is still something that can be accomplished should the Redford government choose to do so, but they have steadfastly refused 
to look at reversing the tax cuts of the Klein era on the wealthy and the corporations, preferring instead to float uh, ideas about um, uh, restoring health care premiums, which are, as I think most people here know are not anything to do with health care at all, uh, but just a flat tax on every family, uh, and uh, imposing a sales tax and desperately trying to find more pipelines to export more bitumen. And I think uh, we need to have uh, an industrial development strategy in this province um, that puts us in the driver's seat as the owners of the resources and make sure that Albertans, including future, uh, future generations of Albertans, are benefiting from these resources. We need to make sure that everybody in our society pays their fair share and that we have stable tax revenues that we can use in order to fund uh, stable, high-quality programs in health care, in education, in culture, in the environment, and so on. We need to provide support for our cities as well, and that's, uh, I think, uh, a whole other um, set of issues that we could talk about. Um, and we need to increase the royalty revenues on the resources we have, but save it for future generations and make sure that, uh, that all, all generations of Albertans benefit from the resources that we have today. So that is essentially what we would propose to do. We think it's extremely um, modest in terms of its uh, scope, but we need to take some, some real uh, leadership to make sure that our province is developed in the interests of the people and not developed in the interests of the corporate sector that supports the Wild Rose and the uh, Progressive Conservative Party. So far, the Progressive Conservatives have not been prepared to stand up to the Wild Rose. Uh, the Wild Rose is pushing for no tax increases, everything to be accomplished by cuts, um, and that's not a direction that we support, but it's certainly uh, one, uh, because the Conservatives are uh, somewhat afraid of, uh, of the Wild Rose Party, uh, they cannot be counted on to, uh, to stand up for Albertans under the pressure of the right-wing um, uh, views of uh, the Wild Rose Party and its corporate sponsors. So uh, as we head towards, um, through this budget, towards the next uh, three years before the next election, Alberta's NDP is going to be continuing to fight for public health care. We're going to be continuing to fight for good quality, accessible public education, uh, improved environmental stewardship in our province, uh, and, a, and an economic policy, uh, a natural resources policy, and a financial policy that benefits all Albertans. So I appreciate very much the opportunity to speak to you today. Um, I think I'm getting in just a minute under the wire, and uh, I'm happy after lunch to answer any of your questions. Thank you very much for having me.